Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. If you've been listening for any part of the last nine years to thousands of Game Changers radio shows, you know that the number of welcomes usually indicates the number of guests, so there's a clue. Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. This is the final scheduled episode of this season of Internet of Things with Game Changers radio. We've got a great one for you, so let me tell you what the buzz is. I have a quote from Helen Keller. If you don't know who she is, just look her up. She said, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Just let that sink in for a second. Somewhere in there is the implication of working together, achieving, accomplishing, aligning goals, aligning missions, and the big word collaboration. So what are we talking about today? How can your organization, your company, your business, whatever you want to call yourself, your enterprise, if you're big enough to deserve that title, go ahead. How can your enterprise innovate beyond leveraging what we call the enabling technologies? You hear me talk about them all the time. Internet of Things, IoT, that's the theme for this series. AI, artificial intelligence, ML, machine learning, and blockchain stands on its own without an abbreviation. You need to leverage these in new ways to support what are you doing? Products, services, you need to get them out there, so you need go-to-market activities. You've got to do more than just use these new technologies. It's more complex than that. The pace of change in industries, any industry, wherever you are in the world, has forced companies like yours to focus on, first of all, your core competency, but you need to look for partners who have specific digital expertise who can help you go ahead, move ahead, get ahead of your competition. You can partner with other companies to collaborate in non-traditional ways to achieve what we'd love to think are mutually beneficial innovations to your business, your industry, to culture, society, globalization, the world. It's already happening. For example, some enterprise software companies are partnering with what we call cloud hyperscalers, and some industrial equipment manufacturers are partnering with data science organizations. The partnerships are different, they're creative, they're interesting. So we have a panel of four, that's right, who are going to help your company get on board what we're calling the partnership bandwagon. That's right. So again, welcome, 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 welcome. Internet of Things with Game Changers. And I have to do a shout out, first of all, to our listeners. You've helped make this one of our consistently most popular series all over the world. So we send a hug to all of you listening in countries I can't even spell or pronounce. Thank you. And also a shout out to a young lady at SAP who's been with us most of this year, helping put these shows together, Dana Corder. And I understand she's got another role, but Dana, we are so appreciative of your efforts. So I'm going to tell you who my four panelists are, and then we're going to get to hear them introduce themselves in their own words briefly, so you know who they are, what their credentials are, and what the topic means to them. So in a moment, we'll welcome back returning guests. Don Deloach. He spells his last name capital D, small e, capital L-O-A-C-H at Rockin' 
Rocket Wagon Venture Studios. We're welcoming also coming back is Nicola Zingraf Bolton. She founded Bolton, B-O-L-T-O-N Consulting. Welcome back, Nicola. We have a newcomer who is awake. It's now 4.07 in the morning somewhere in Australia. Her name is Lorraine Longato, and she's with SAP. Welcome, Lorraine. Newcomer and also another returning guest, Chris Resendez at Spherical Analytics. Welcome to my wonderful panelists. Don Deloach, please introduce yourself. Pretend that people didn't hear you on the show a couple weeks ago and start from scratch. What do you do? What is Rocket Wagon Venture Studios and what does this topic mean to you? Uh, thanks. So, uh, yeah, so I'm Don Deloach. I uh, am the co-founder and CEO of Rocket Wagon Venture Studios. <clears throat> we actually are a family of venture studios. For those of you who don't know, and I'll do this really quick, a venture studio is sort of a step beyond uh, an incubator or an accelerator where you, you, you create a team of entrepreneurs who have been there and done that that will accept younger, new, entre- in, inexperienced entrepreneurs and take them from the idea stage to commercialization. It's, it's a much more aggressive form of accelerating a startup. Um, ours is particularly IoT-focused. It's actually a, a, a parent company that sets uh, IoT architectural guidelines and then a series of vertically aligned venture studios. So we have one for industrial, one for new mobility, one for network and telecom, and so on. Um, so that's what we do. Our, our whole goal is to generate solutions and startups uh, for the cyber-physical world that help solve very, very real-world problems and help corporations innovate as they try to uh, progress down this path. Thank you very much, Don. It's always a pleasure to have you on. You always share such interesting ideas, and I know you're at the top of your game, so thank you. By the way, Rocket Wagon, how did you get that name for your company? That's an interesting question. Uh, The the, the honest answer is I was approached by a a good friend who sat on the board of the uh, Midwest IoT Council that I co-chair with uh, my good friend, Britta Berman, and, and Phil Perkins, who is the CEO of Rocket Wagon Labs, approached me about the whole Venture Studio uh, uh, idea, which I had never heard of. I thought it was this, mm-hmm. it just made this, all the difference in the world. Having run small venture-backed companies for 20 years, I instantly got it. And so we formed this as the sister company to Rocket Wagon Labs, which is why we use the Rocket Wagon la- name. I actually like the name, so I had no desire to change it, but I have to give Phil all the credit for that. Well, credit to Phil. Thank you, Phil. We applaud you. We love the name. I keep thinking of a Western scene with the wagons, circling the wagons and rockets blaring. Uh, something very majestic. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that. <laughs> and now let's move one stop around the table to Nicola Zingraf Bolton, who is joining us again. Nicola, please introduce yourself to our listeners around the world who may not have heard you on recent appearances. Go ahead, Nicola. Yes, very good. Thank you, Ben and Bonnie, for having me on this show again. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Nicola Zingra Bolton. I'm the founder of Bolton Consulting. Um, my background is in um, logistics, and I've been working with telematics for almost 20 years. Now, for those who um, have been working with IoT more, telematics and, in, and IoT is a very interchangeable term still. 20 years ago, we called it telematics. Nowadays, it's more IoT. It's a mix of both. Um, I've been working with companies from the very different Tiers in the transport and logistics and supply chain industry. This is my main domain, especially on the heavy-duty vehicle side. I work um, with fleets, with 3PLs, with leasing companies, dealers, OEMs, and component suppliers um, to help extract this data that's available through the different technology and really 
put some sense to it to really optimize the operations processes and not just use the data to collect data pools as such. I um, assist companies in um, forming the digital strategies, especially on the OEM side, and help them monetize their IoT investments. I am originally from Germany. I've been working with the European market for many years and um, have moved to Chicago about five years ago. Hmm. So here in the U.S., I still see there is a big field for me to do. There's a lot of differences in the markets, but also a lot of commonalities between the European and North American market. So I bring my knowledge to the different tiers of the industry. Thank you, Nicola. Always happy to have you on the show. We always learn so much from you. Let's move to our newcomer on the panel, Lorraine Longato. I hope you've had a couple of cups of something to wake you up, Lorraine. We really haven't had a panelist on in the middle of the night in a long time, and we appreciate it. So Lorraine Longato, our newcomer, please introduce yourself to our audience. What do you do? Well, thank you. Uh, well, my name is Lorraine Longato. Um, I actually work for the digital transformation function here across Southeast Asia. Um, I guess uh, the reason why I, I'm on board is because of my vast background in uh, different industries, starting my life as an industrial engineer, uh, moved on to special defined processes and then fell into procurement and supply chain because, let's face it, nobody really chooses that. It was something that I fell into. Uh, and then I basically extended that to strategic advisory services, both at a state and federal government level. Um, and that's extended now across regions. So um, I've always worked with organisations to help them define what it is that they're trying to do, capture value, basically articulate what it is that they want to do and then finding the right capability that's required. So uh, putting together the business cases as well as the assessment of the roadmap is really what I, I do. Um, I've worked in automotive. as uh, That's where I started my career, through to FMCG and then uh, into constructions right through to um, national government initiatives. So uh, that broad background allows itself to understand people's processes and help them define it. Um, plus, I'm also a um, innovations uh, startup founder of a, of a supply chain in, uh, platform. And what we generally have done is uh, created a financial capability for SMEs across uh, across the globe and also a sustainability startup business which is uh, based in the US so um, I could say you could say it's a bit of a broad background but what it does do it lends itself to being able to talk about different capabilities in supply chain and um, right now I focus on um, innovation in space and predominantly around blockchain machine learning and IRPA so that's about it basically Thank you, Lorraine. What part of Australia do you live in? Where are you right now, if we can ask? Funnily enough, uh, where I am right now, I can see the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge. So I'm located in uh, beautiful, sunny Sydney, usually. Uh, Right now, it's quite dark. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) you're going to bring some light to the show. We appreciate that. And one more stop around the table. Chris Resendis, welcoming back. Chris, how are you? And please reintroduce yourself to our audience. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to be on the panel, and it's great to be with your listeners again. I'm Chris Rezendes, and I'm the Chief Business Officer of a company called Spherical Analytics. We're a software company, and we wrap uh, rich professional services around our stack. What we do is essentially help either existing systems managers or new systems developers ensure that the data that's coming out of their systems produces Uh, asset class or asset grade data. In other words, we're a trust platform. Uh, We were built um, largely because 
our experiences in many different enterprise class or enterprise scale markets uh, presented many different challenges for different stakeholders to get access to different data sets and combine them or integrate them or synthesize them in a meaningful way. As entities became more connected and problems and challenges and opportunities became more complex, the need for new and different data sources became more acute. Many of those data sources were unknown to users. Many of the supply chains of those data, the custodians of those data were unknown to the users. And we, I think, unwittingly introduced myriad trust issues around the sources of the data and the data itself that we were using to build new systems to solve these new problems. In other words, we don't get anywhere near AI or machine learning. We don't get anywhere near the next generation of productivity or profitability or sustainable goals unless we have these digital systems that are going to become more intelligent and more autonomous to become decision support tools for us. Those decision support tools rely on that data. And if we can't trust that data, then we're not going to be able to trust the outcomes from those systems. So we've built a system that augments others, uh, doesn't displace them, but enhances the quality and the veracity of the sourcing and the pedigree provenance pipeline, so to speak. Uh, Spherical is the name of the company because we see these multi-dimensional challenges, X, Y, Z dimensions or N dimensions, and we work with multi-stakeholder communities. And we bring them together to build these new systems that are not necessarily disruptive to the existing relationships or architectures of those business models, but rather they first mirror them and then look to augment them. That's what we're up to. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I was just chatting in my Skype window here with my engineer, Aaron. He's saying these people are really smart. I said, I only have really smart people on the show. So thank you, all, all four of you. Now it's the time of the show when I ask my panelists to tell us how the quote they selected in advance that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic on the surface explain why they picked it and how they link it to the topic. So Don DeLoach picked a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, quoted in Elle magazine in 2014, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Of course, American lawyer and jurist. She's an associate justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, appointed by President Bill Clinton. She took the oath of office in 1993. She's only the second female justice of four to be confirmed by the court, along with Sonia Sotomayor and Ella Kagan, who is still serving. Uh, She's viewed, I I won't go into her politics, but she's been in the news recently. She battled cancer, apparently, and she was in New York. She's in her 90s, I believe. She battled uh, cancer, and she was in New York going to theater and going shopping and going to museums while she was getting her treatment. Took just a couple of weeks off from the court and then she was back. She's quite a lady. Uh, outrageous and she's been called the notorious RBG. Uh, and I have to tell you, Don, that I just did a show this morning on the future of HR, HR human versus HR AI. Will we all be hired and fired by algorithms at some point? And there was something about unconscious bias brought up on the show. And I quickly reached for my notes, Don, and I found your quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I read it on the air. So I want to thank you for this quote has already been used live on another show today and it's so good. So let me read the quote and then Don will explain it. So the quote is, I think unconscious bias is one of the hardest things to get at. My favorite example is the symphony orchestra. When I was growing up, there were no women in orchestras. Auditioners thought they could tell the difference between a woman playing and a man. Some intelligent person devised a simple solution. Drop a curtain between the auditioners and the people trying out. And lo and behold, women began to get jobs in symphony orchestras. Love the quote. Don, you have to relate it to the topic for me, please. Uh, Sure. Well, I mean, just from a personal level, 
uh, I, I'm a strong believer that there's probably too much inherent bias in all of us and how we look at things. And I love this quote because it, it, as much as anything, it's a metaphor in my mind for the progression of the cyber-physical world where we can go from what we hear somebody saying, well, it's my gut feel that this, or, you know, um, the, the, the soil doesn't look bad, so we must not be doing anything bad underneath the soil, um, to actual data that it is, is giving you a, a, a true view without bias as to what that truth is. And, you know, Chris talks about this as well. Um, I think that as we evolve in ways that will hopefully have very, very positive impact on the planet and, and kind of life on Earth, I, I think that uh, along the way, if we're smart about what we do, and that's a big if, but if we're smart about what we do, this technology can be deployed in a way that begins to utilize that curtain that separates our bias from the actual results that she referred to in the quote. Thank you. And I'm going to take it even a step further with your permission, Don, because I'm seeing it in the context of our specific topic today, digital transformation enabling technologies, which I mentioned in my opening, and new partnership models. So I'm going to take it a step further and see if we could just dip our toe in in the water of when you're looking for partners to expand the business partnerships, new, innovative, creative. Company A should never have been in business with Company B, but dang, they're doing something really new and cool about getting over the biases of, no, we shouldn't be talking to them, or why would we, and saying, wait a minute, maybe we need to look at what they do, not where they are, who they are, and say, hey, there's some great ideas buried in there. Can we go in that direction, Don? Oh, 100%. All day we can go in that direction. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want me to comment on that or just come No, back no, that's fine. It, I just want to know if you agree right with that. I just, I just want to link it to the partnership part of our topic because I think it was a, a beautiful quote. Yeah. I, I love quotes from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but even more the idea that maybe you'd say, yeah, we don't want to do business with them. They don't have our right. culture. They haven't been around enough. But wait a minute. Maybe it's perfect. So I love it. Thank you very much. Great quote. Beautiful quote. Let's go to Nicola Zingraf Bolton at Bolton Consulting. And she sent us a quote from Roald Dahl, D-A-H-L, from his 1979 adult novel. I'll just throw the word adult with a little emphasis in there, Nicola. My Uncle Oswald Dahl, D-A-H-L, lived from 1916 to 1990. British novelist, short story writer, poet, screenwriter, and fighter pilot. His books have only sold more than 250 million copies worldwide. This novel, Uncle Oswald, uh, the character in the novel, appeared in his books, The Visitor, and I'll just spell the other one, B-I-T-C-H, two short stories written by him. So here's the quote, and Nicole will, will explain it. I began to realize how important it was to be an enthusiast in life. If you're interested in something, no matter what it is, go at it full speed ahead. Embrace it with both arms. Hug it. Love it. And above all, become passionate about it. Lukewarm is no good. Nicola, fabulous. Another really good one. Go ahead, Nicola. How does this relate to our topic, please? Um, yes. Well, Roy Dahl is, is probably most um, uh, known to everyone with his, with his large series of children's books like Matilda and the Magic Finger and Charlie the Chocolate Factory. This one really just happened to come out of, out of an adult novel. But um, just detached from the rest of the content of this book, I thought this was a very fitting um, quote for our theme as well because we're looking at 
companies who have not hit the digitalization space so far or who are looking at it, they come from traditional industries from very different backgrounds. They're really good at what they're doing. And now they're facing the challenge of how do we make our products digital? How do we make our services digital? How can we innovate there? Um, and they don't even have necessarily the core competence because their core competence is something else. The question is, are we making our products digital or are we transforming into a completely different space? And I think that's important to have this quote as a reminder of we're staying with what we're good at in our core business, in our core industry, but making this digitalization step is um, what helps the companies to look outside of their own space and um, looking to go possibly unconventional ways as the theme is of today. Thank you, Nicola. And I love the last four words of the quote, lukewarm is no good. I It just yes. jumps out at me. I, I think I have to crochet that or paint it on a – I've started painting uh, watercolors on canvas, and I think I'm going to have to make a painting about lukewarm is no good. I love that. Thank you. Lorraine Langato, yeah. our newcomer, has picked a quote from the 1989 drama fantasy film Field of Dreams. Who doesn't love that? When Iowa farmer Ray – by the one and only Kevin Costner. Here's a mysterious one one night in his cornfield saying, if you build it, actually the quote is, he will come. He feels the need to act and he builds a baseball diamond on his land. So the quote has popularized, popularized, been changed to, if you build it, they will come. So Lorraine, talk to me about how this relates to our topic, digital transformation and unusual partnerships. Well, actually, it's it's funny because uh, it, this story is really to do with a specific organisation that I worked with. I mean, they actually to embrace this new fandandle technology called blockchain, and, and and so what they did was they actually uh, created a, a platform, created a test. Uh, we worked with them extensively. Uh, we worked with their partners and actually built a platform that was never tested before or tried. And and the innovative part about this is that. They they uh, started to scale it and uh, and we've actually been helping them along the way. And now they've got people across Southeast Asia, including their competitors, wanting to jump on board uh, because of the provenance and because of the industry and its high rate of counterfeit um, requirements and so forth. So what we see here is, is someone taking that step one step further and building something that nobody's ever tested before. I mean, and that's what the space is all about. I mean, everyone talks about AI-powered organizations and the main challenge isn't really the technology in some respect. It's predominantly the culture that you have to uh, fight. They have to fight their management as well as uh, others. So they took that brave, bold step of plowing the field and creating uh, the pasture that they required. And I guess it's personal to me um, because I actually had worked with an infamous partner, that one of our partners that we have that created a blockchain capability and I once heard one of the evangelists speaking up on stage about it and I called him off stage and said, so it's interesting that you talked about that but I think you're missing one of the most uh, important characteristics of your algorithm and I started talking to him and he was a bit shocked that I knew so much about it. Well, I actually worked with the organization that built that blockchain so um, I, I basically said to him, you realize that there's some fabric in there that actually manages to capture from a geo perspective, an Australian um, legislation called the Marbo Act. And what it's basically doing 
is tracking and tracing, not just for the provenance of where this meat goes, but uh, the native land entitlements of our Indigenous Australians. So what we're basically doing is embedding a fabric that can engender and empower communities through technology. So to me, that greater purpose has been uh, captured through this innovation. So yes, if you build it, they will come because it fosters more than just a dream. It actually creates something that's good and good for people and good for society. So uh, that was the inspiration that I took from the quote. It's a simple quote, but it really does uh, relate to the fact that you can do such great things. Thank you, Lorraine. Beautiful insights. We appreciate it. We do love short quotes. I get short quotes from songs and movies all the time. Good one. Chris Resendez is ready with his quote from Stanley McChrystal, United States Army General, retired. Crystal McChrystal still with us, born in 1954. To me, he's a young man, partner and founder, currently at the McChrystal Group, retired U.S. Army General, best known for his command of the Joint Special Operations JSOC in the mid-2000s. His last assignment was as commander ISAF and U.S. Air, U.S. United States forces in Afghanistan, and he held the post from 2009 to 2010. And here's the quote, very interesting. Success requires that we fuse generalized awareness with specialized expertise. Chris, this is so on point for our show. Tell me how you found this wonderful quote, please. Oh, thank you so much. It, it resonated with me as well. Yep. And every one of the previous speakers, as I'm listening to them, what I'm hearing them talk about is these ideas about getting closer to quote-unquote truth or fact base that can be proven or trusted uh, so that we can, through that elevated trust, put maybe more energy, make greater commitment, uh, because we can better manage risk. And in so doing, we can actually start to build these or architect these more distributed systems. What I'd like to add to that is we also enable the individuals and the institutions to now build policies that are more distributed or decentralized that go beyond traditional operational key performance indicators or gap standards and accounting for income statements or balance sheets. In other words, as the world becomes more complex and as our challenges demand that we do more, than the traditional orthogonal strategies. We have to think in multiple dimensions. We have to think about multiple stakeholders. We have to think about these ideas that we often describe as the X, Y, Z axis of the new strategy. We're being asked to go deeper into our knowledge bases. In some cases, analyzing risk in an enterprise, we're being asked to go down to an asset level, a specific machine level, not even at an enterprise level or a business unit level, but specific machines that have massive risk vectors for certain business units need to be understood. And they need to be understood not just for that specific entity that owns the asset or operates the asset, but for the downstream customers and the upstream vendors and the cross-stream trading partners. You get into this Z dimension where it's not just about operational KPIs or about the financial indicators, but now it's about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or these things called ESG, environmental, social governance metrics. The point is, as the challenges become more complex, the need for people to have awareness on multiple dimensions becomes imperative, and therefore their need to bring in subject matter experts becomes equally imperative. And we have to find solutions to manage those tension between the traditional systems and the emerging, between the orthogonal and the multidimensional, 
And I think for me, this quote captures the essence of that. The reason why I chose it was because part of my background is in supporting those teams. I'm not a veteran. I didn't wear a uniform, but have done a lot of work supporting those teams. Some of the most powerful work has been done in cyber-physical systems by small teams doing quiet work in hard-to-understand places. If we talk about a future being distributed and decentralized to become more resilient, inclusive, and fair, and all the other things we want, I thought it was appropriate for us to understand that going forward, we're going to have to get really comfortable with the idea that we're going to be parting with subject matter experts we don't understand from cultures and places maybe we haven't been. And if we can design the digital systems to not just have the architecture but the policies, then I think we'll enable the next generation of partnerships so we can do more in the future than we've done to date. Very well put. Thank you very much. I'm blown away by the quotes and how you all explain them relating to our topic. It's a big topic. We, I usually ask where everybody is and what's your favorite drink, but we are pushing the halfway point, and I want to give you all a 90-second break to just regroup. So I'm just going to say to my audience, give us 90 seconds. We'll be right back. We're going to do a deep dive into the formal roundtable part of the show. We're going to kick it off with Don Deloach and see what he said in his notes before the show, and then we're going to quickly go around the table, have the other three, Nicola and Lorraine and Chris respond and comment, agree or disagree with Don. Then we'll find a statement in Nicola's notes, then one from Lorraine and one from Chris. Let's see if we can beat the clock. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that up, that doll. You know the deal. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. Very important topic, digital transformation. You hear it over and over and over again. You hear about all these great enabling technologies, AI, ML, IoT, blockchain. But how do you take your core competency, find companies that will share a mission, a goal, want to achieve something in partnership with you, create a new business partnership model? We have four experts on the panel today who are helping us figure this out. So much brain power on this panel. I'm 
really exciting. Don DeLoach at Rocket Wagon Venture Studios. That's a tongue twister. Nicola Zingraf Bolton at Bolton Consulting. Lorraine Longato at SAP. She's also an innovator and a startup lady. And Chris Rezendis at Spherical Analytics. So welcome back to our panelists. Ready for, yes, I'm talking fast because we have so much to talk about. Don DeLoach told me the following before the show. He's going to explain it briefly, and then we'll get everybody to chime in a couple of seconds each, and then we'll have one from Nicola, one from Lorraine, and one from Chris. So Don said the following, and he happens to love this. Innovation is often the result of previous innovations adapted and combined. He says this was highlighted well in the book, The Second Machine Age by Bryn Jolfson and McAfee. I hope I pronounce those right. Extreme applications for the progression to the cyber physical world. Don, take about 90 seconds, tell us what this means, and then we'll see what the panelists have to say about it. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, it, it, the pace of innovation is increasing, and it's not increasing because so many people are miraculously having these thoughts in isolation. It's you get really smart people who look around and say, wow, that the, the progression in augmented reality is really cool or the progression in sensor technology is really cool, or the progression in drone technology is really cool. So what if I start combining those? What can I do that's even more cool as a result? And and a couple of uh, examples I would say using that as a starting point would be um, take two entirely different industries, uh, construction and healthcare. Uh, In construction and healthcare, both you're, see, you're seeing a movement towards using augmented reality combined with sensor technology. Uh, in construction, it's for people on a site understanding better what's around them from an asset standpoint. Most construction projects run over budget and behind schedule in large part because information isn't shared and used in a way that maximizes efficiency. And so the combination of understanding where everything is via the asset tracking and the ability to visualize that and provide augmented information through augmented reality. And, and, and the AR display may be on the construction helmet, but it's just one example of how these technologies would be used. Now let's, let's move into a surgical theater and you are the, um, uh, you're the surgeon. Now all of a sudden, you know, I'm using instruments that I would be using in normal surgery, but I may be using uh, an AR uh, lens to better understand information about the things I'm seeing inside the human body, uh, which, among other things, is also then combining with the documentation of the procedure. Anybody who's talked to a, to a surgeon or even a doctor before knows that that 40% of the time they spend documenting what they do is their least favorite time in the world. And one of the one of the uh, artifacts of the use of AR is that you're actually capturing everything, whether it's words or gestures or whatever thing, in a uh, in a way that becomes self-documenting. There are so many other examples, but I'll I'll, I'll stop there in in the interest of time. Thank you. I love the enthusiasm, Nicholas Ingraf Bolton. Please chime in. Agree or disagree? Anything you want to say about what Don just shared? I think that um, Don's example is it's just perfect to show how. The same um, core of technology can really serve so different purposes. And uh, yes, I've I've um, seen this AR on construction as well as in in the medical theater with the WT robot surgery robot. And it's it's just amazing how the same principle are really applied to so different industries. 
Thank you. Lorraine Langato, join us. Thoughts? What do you think? Agree or disagree? Anything you want to comment? I agree unequivocally. I mean, I've actually had a background in the medical industry. I was the uh, group group biophorist in a company that's uh, world-renowned for capability. And uh, not only did I have the great joy of seeing it in action, but actually helping in participating in doing things better. I mean, that, that technically, all of this clever tech that we're talking about can actually change people's lives. It really does create a result that's not just monetary, but actually improves society and improves well-being. So yeah, it's innovation is not just for the sake of, hey, I've got a new machine that goes bing. That's not going to do anything for society. But if you're doing something good and something better, then you're really impacting everything from day-to-day existence to the, the prolong, prolonging of life. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see, Chris Resendis, you're next. What do you think? I love it. I think those are, in some cases, in the most uh, highly controlled environment, a surgical arena, and sometimes the least controlled environment, a construction site. Mm-hmm. Two things that struck me about it or that I'd like to add. One is, and I think Nicola brought this up, the real-time application value add when the work is being done, and then the follow-on or the indirect or the out-of-critical-path documentation value add, um, really powerful from an AR perspective. The second thing is, in these examples, I think it's important for everyone to note, this is when a human operator is interfacing with some other asset or some inventory or some environment. It's not when two people are working. Um, What's beautiful, I think, about some of these examples of how the physical world instrumentation driven through machine learning and supporting AR is that it doesn't necessarily mean you're displacing people and certainly doesn't mean you're displacing FaceTime. What I love about those applications is you can take an individual human operator or a team of operators or a team of workers and you can enhance or augment their safety, productivity, profitability, and so many other impacts without necessarily degrading the human experience. That'd be my three pennies. Thank you very much. I like those three pennies a lot. Don, anything you want to respond back to your co-panelists before I move on to another really interesting example from Nicola? Don, anything? No, no, I appreciate all the feedback. Thank you. Great panel. You're all, all in the moment here. Appreciate that. Nicola sent me the following. She said so many examples, but this is the one she wants to talk about. She says, partnering in non-traditional ways brings companies from very different backgrounds together. An example for the public transportation sector is the EBSF project, which initiated an open service-oriented architecture that shared functionality separated from onboard applications. And I think the most important part is it laid the foundation for the ITXPT, that's Information Technology for Public Transport Standard, in 2017. Nicola, can you unpack this for us, please? What does this all mean, briefly? Yes. So um, the EBSF is the European bus system future. So we are talking about the big cloud and the big uh, part of smart cities and um, how to connect in a smart way, contributing to a better usable public transportation system, standardize the information flow that it is across the different uh, players that are participating in public transportation of course, one of the big um, necessities was just to lower the cost for those applications to use the data across the different systems and stakeholder um, parties. Shared functionality, of course, making sure that the information is 
more correct, increasing the data quality, and also stimulating competition between the stakeholders. Participants in this project were bus manufacturers, for example, Volvo, Scania, and Iveco, as much as public transportation organizations. Scania Trafiken, which is um, the Swedish, uh, Swedish Danish, I just happened to be on this train over the Eurozone just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, Transport for London, for example. So different cities, it, altogether it was eight different cities across Europe. There are other partners were um, Actia as a vehicle electronic specialist. They're especially known for the electronic driver login on the heavy duty transportation side, but also train manufacturers like Alstom or the Chinese BID, BYD. And um, putting them together with tech companies like Pilotish, who work on IoT platforms or best mile providing, as the name says, the best last mile opportunity information. Um, These companies from very, very different backgrounds have brought together a very, very um, transparent, very large, very far-reaching concept. Now, this has been two years ago when this project was set up. The next part of the story is that um, the central platform, Pilotfish, that gathered all the data from all the sides was actually acquired by um, a component supplier in uh, earlier this year. The company is Voit Turbo. And um, it also shows Voit Turbo, they build turbos, they build retarders, they build components for heavy duty trucking. Now all of a sudden they realize also again, to spin this story further, we need digitalization competency, our core, are not lukewarm, but heavy, hot, and loved. Passion is what we are doing, our component suppliers, so we need to get experts from the outside to enrich and enhance our products and bring them um, into the next innovation stage. Thank you very much. Fascinating example. Lorraine Langata, you want to comment on this? And then Chris and then Don. Go ahead, Lorraine, you start. Well, actually, I, th- I think it was a very interesting comment because what, what you're basically going through is more or less what we have to do in every engagement, especially when you're talking about t- uh, technology subsets like uh, blockchain and so forth. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about those partnerships. You're talking about a complex ecosystem that has a lot of data points, a lot of uh, uh, capabilities that have to be embedded. So it, it, um, what I enjoyed about listening to that example, Nicola, was the broadness of uh, of everything that was involved and the comp- comprehensive nature of the relationships. Um, you have to bring these players to the table. You have to, it's a journey. Uh, you have to learn. There's a lot of things that you can't bring to the table that an ex- a core expertise in those areas can. Um, certainly in, in, in engagements that we're having, it is about the complex nature. It is about understanding the, the platforms. It is about understanding the use cases. It's, uh, it is really about being the, you know, showing everyone by your example and equally them showing you how we can collectively create something that's better. So, yeah, I enjoyed listening to that story. Thank you very much. Chris Rosendis, chime in, please. What do you think? I think this is awesome. I think it's inspiring that I find myself um, probably the, um, the dullest and least experienced and probably least articulate person in the room. What 
these stories. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to strike that from I want to strike that from the transcript. You're not allowed to say that. You're all equally bright and wonderful and I get to say that because I'm the producer and the host. So none of that, Chris. Go ahead. Now you can talk. We we're living this journey with with everyone else on the call. Um we're working now, for example, with some of the largest energy companies in the world and their renewable business units. Um, we're working with private, uh, small, and middle market commercial fishing fleets. We're working with regional and international universities and their subject matter experts with funding from conservation NGOs and the participation of um, farm credit or marine credit bureaus, essentially all the major stakeholders that represent risk and finance, operations, infrastructure, uh, regulation, and jurisdictional authorities, and everyone's understanding they've got a role to play to help us figure out how we can have sustainable fisheries coexist with renewable offshore wind, for example, off the coast of New England. There are pecking orders with respect to expertise. There are differences of opinion with respect to uh, prioritization. Um, but at the end of the day, what we're finding is if if we can take all the trust that's been built up in existing relationships and find a technology that enables those existing human relationships to then start to share, trade, or license data sets, then what we find is that we have a recipe for success in a cyber-physical world that demands humans trust each other more. Even as we start talking about zero-trust digital networks, we never want to get into the environment where it's mostly zero-trust human networks. The only way we get there is to make sure that anyone who has a stake, a proven stake in driving success or in mitigating risk has a chance to participate. And I want to be clear, this isn't socialism and it's not philanthropy and it's certainly not traditional hyper-concentrated capitalism. I think it's a new form of collaboration where even those pure profit-driven businesses are saying, in order for us to get ahead of the risk and to access the opportunity, we have to collaborate. And we're finding more and more risk and finance partners and more and more pure play profit enterprises finding that this idea of winner take all that emerged from the valley over the past decade is a bankrupt strategy going forward. Um, and so I love hearing that there are more larger companies that are pursuing the same kind of partnership strategy or collaboration strategy to get there. So I'm finding it inspiring. Thank you. I'm finding all of you inspiring. So there, Chris, <laughs> now you know how I feel about you. Uh, Don Deloach, please join us on this. We've got some interesting comments around the table. What do you think? Sure. So I think, um, I think progress and collaboration comes in many forms. Uh, the, the two sort of key things I think about at first are I think Europe is pushing cyber physical transformation in some ways that are ahead of other places. Um, uh, back several years ago, there was an initiative from the European Union called the uh, Internet of Things Architecture, IoT-A, and it, 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 it was born and died over a three-year period. But, um, and I'm not sure how many people really looked at that, but I, I think the, those that did, it, you know, it was actually a really compelling architecture but it was going to require adoption on a mass scale, or at least it was going to require people to start buying into uh, a, sort of a common view of where the world was going. And I think it actually, even though it, it wasn't ultimately successful, I think it laid the groundwork for people to think along those same terms. And, and then if you follow that with GDPR, 
Um, I mean, GDPR, it's here. It's not going to go away. It's going to probably lay the groundwork for other things. That has less to do with collaboration, though, and just more to do with data privacy. The one thing I would go to, though, is the best example of all, I think, is Columbus and the, um, the Smart City Initiative in Columbus that's really aimed, uh, among other things, at seamless intermodal uh, experience and integration. So the idea from the first mile to the last mile, I, I as a citizen, am going to be able to get on an application and say, I'm going from point A to point B, and it's going to entail, entail an Uber or a Lyft. It's going to entail uh, public transportation via a train. It may in, involve a, a jump scooter at the end. And I'm going to do that on one ticket that's, that's done for my, for my, uh, for my cell phone. The, the level of collaboration there is, is monstrous and it's, it's incredibly cool. It's an indication of where we're going. I would also argue that maybe some of the things that are being learned are that a proprietary approach is probably going to be problematic. When you look at a population, uh, ceiling of a million, a million people, you're, you're going to miss out on some of the nuances of larger cities. So I think that that project probably is experiencing puts and takes in terms of success. But from my standpoint, when I step back, that's a massive success because even when we learn what doesn't work, we're getting smarter in terms of progressing to what will. And it's going to take those type of big thinking moonshot collaboration ideas to move us in that direction. Thank you, Chris. I think you just gave your prediction. We're already in the crystal ball predictions round. Will you be happy with that as your prediction? I'm. That's, that's a wonderful prediction. I sign on. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. is that a pretty good one? I just want mm-hmm. to give uh, a couple yeah. of comments here. Um, let me see. I want to bring up one statement from Lorraine. I'm just going to read it. We don't have time to get into it, but I want to make sure we get it in the transcript here. Lorraine says, innovation is not the bastion of just North American tech hubs. Uh, she says, innovations are, are not just a playground of young entrepreneurs or even curiosity individuals that lead us to innovations, but it's our experiences. We're mere humans. We are the sum of our own experiences. Never underestimate what your experiences and personal stories can contribute. Thank you. And I want to give a statement of hope here from Chris. Chris, I'll let you use this one as your uh, your prediction, Then we'll go quickly around. Chris and then Don, 60 seconds each, barely have enough time. Chris says, everywhere I go, where I see authentic value being creative, operational, financial, ESG, inclusive, equitable experience. I see collaboration. So, Chris, you just want to emphasize this for your prediction that we're going to continue to see more collaboration as people and companies are creating more authentic value. One sentence from you or two, Chris, and then we'll wrap up with everybody. We have done a lot of work in digital with computing and communications and control systems. We've spent the past 10 or 15 years increasing, quote-unquote, connectivity. What we're now just starting to realize is that until we truly understand the contexts within which we're connecting, and those contexts include the people, we're going to have a hard time understanding what to connect, why to connect, how to connect, and then what to do with uh, the power of those connections. And I think that means it isn't about machines. It's about people and families and clans and communities and enterprises and institutions I think we're going to find a way to balance the winner-take-all strategies of the past quarter century with um, the need for a new set of models going forward that can only be enabled by progress in both cyber and physical or analog and digital systems. That's going to force collaboration because the systems are too big and complex. 
and the opportunities and challenges to grant. Thank you very much. Don Deloach, I can give you 30 seconds for your prediction. Wrap up. Go ahead, please. Sure. The, my prediction is that uh, organizations are going to uh, begin to move at a faster pace towards thoughtful enterprise-grade IoT architecture, which means they're going to think to separate the creation of the data from the consumption of the data. By doing that, you better address security, privacy, and especially governance, where you propagate the right data to the right constituent in the right time in the right way. And then and only then can you do what Chris described as combine, integrate, and synthesize the data in a meaningful way. And I think we're going to move closer in that direction over the coming years. Thank you. Uh, Nicola, 30 seconds. Prediction. Make it fast, please. We're almost out of time. Yeah. So um, I, th- I predict that it's really um, becoming more of a focus that the customer and consumer perspective is being met now with all the technology that we're meeting. So similar to what, what Chris just mentioned, really looking, taking the consumer as the center of attention and um, enabling flexible adaptations to his specific needs in his life situation, in geographics, in business interests or priorities he might be in there. I think that's where the technology is going to help us with this continued collaboration to get closer to. Thank you. Great. Lorraine Langado, I've got 30 seconds. Fast. Give me your prediction, please. (laughs) Sorry. Well, I think think we're all saying, that's okay. I think we're all saying the same thing. And as far as I'm hearing, it's a coalition of the willing when it comes to this. It is is about being uh, people-centricity. I think uh, my comment was more about, uh, when I talked about innovations, was about my personal journey and how I brought that into the engagement that we had. So uh, it was the humanization of the experiences that actually are creating new frontiers and new opportunities uh, for society. So yes, it is very much, in, in my opinion, uh, an element of human centricity that we're, we're focusing on to take us to the next level. Thank you very much. I can't thank the four of you enough. I'm sorry we ran out of time. This show was just packed with intelligent commentary. I really appreciate all four of you, your perspectives, your sharing your insights with me and our global audience. And again, a special thank you to Dana Corder. Dana, you worked so hard putting this together. It has been a pleasure working with you this year, and I wish you all the best. I know that Ruja is coming back, and hopefully the series will renew for next year. So here's my call to action, and quickly thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at the World Talk radio business channel here we go fasten your seatbelt. whoever designed it or collaborate i still want personalized seatbelt. sorry what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today just like don deloach just like nicola zingraf bolton just like lorraine Langato, and just like chris resendez bonnie d graham signing off have a great one bye-bye Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 